Hello, Fanula. How are you? You're right. Here I am. Great. I'm good. Thank I'm, you. I'm delighted to have uh, Fanula Flanagan, the wonderful actress, uh, with us this morning on Irish America's The Story. And Fanula, just this morning, it was announced that you were nominated for a Tony Award. So can you tell us a little bit about what you, that experience and the journey? Yes. <laughs> well, it's for it's for my role in The Ferryman, which is playing on Broadway, and uh, I'll be there in it until June 30th. It's a terrific play by Jez Butterworth. Um, it's got a huge cast, and uh, I just it moves like the wind. It moves very fast. It's a story set in the north of Ireland in 1981 and it all takes place in a family farmhouse and um, it, it's it's at the height of the, the hunger strike and um, so it's full of emotion but it's you don't have to know anything about the politics to follow the play um, so that's what I got nominated for and uh, and the play got nominated and, and Jez Butterworth the writer and Sam Mendes the director and Laura Donnelly, who was in the original London cast when they came here um, on Broadway, uh, she got nominated for her role and as Best Actress, and uh, Paddy Constein, who also was in the original London cast, he got nominated also. And then we got uh, uh, Rob Howell, who was our designer, got nominated for set design and for costume design, and our soundtrack got nominated. Uh, so we got nine nominations in all, and everybody's very excited about that. It's absolutely um, uh, in incredible, and I'm thrilled for you. And your nomination is for Best uh, Featured Actress. Can you talk yes, a little bit about like, your role? Yeah, which is like a best, it's the same as Best Supporting. Um, my role, I play Aunt Maggie Faraway, um, who is one of the old aunts in the family, and she uh, she drifts in and out. As I said to Jess Butterworth, she's a time traveler. No bother to me to play that. I've done science fiction, so, you know. That's right, you were in Lost, that incredible uh, series, and also Star Trek, right? That's right, yes. So, so uh, uh, she she moves in and out between the past and the present, and sometimes the future, because she really is the as a character, she really is the the sibyl of the piece. You know, she she for, can foretell what's going to happen, and and uh, is aware of what's going to happen, although she's not aware that she knows that. So it's a tricky. It's, a, it's probably one of the hardest parts I ever played. Um, but uh, thanks to Sam Mendes who directed it, he guided me through it and uh, got me through it. Um, so, so that's it. And she's also very funny. What was it like uh, working with Sam Mendes? Well, he's probably he's certainly the most inspiring director I've ever worked with. He's uh, he's. You know, the man has an intelligence that goes to work on something that, and a sensibility, and he certainly knows his theater so that he knows his stagecraft and he's able to help you and guide you and pull you out of pitfalls. And, um, that's, and he has a sense of the whole picture and the whole play. And I mean, it's a huge cast, so 
you know, to keep all that in his head and in his brain. And the play moves like the wind. It's actually three and a quarter hours long, but uh, it doesn't seem like that. Every audience member that I've spoken to says, oh my gosh, I no, didn't realize how, you know, the time went and I didn't feel it going. So um, that's always good. Now, he is he is terrific on timing. You know, he keeps something moving and um, doesn't let it lag behind. And he's also very good. He protects his actors. He's very kind and loving towards his actors. And that's always lovely in a director. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's all about their ego, but not with Sam Mendes. Fanula, and in the first uh, act, you're sitting there kind of waiting on the side I mean you're you're on the stage pretty much for the whole thing for the whole 3 hours and whatever 20 minutes or well not not quite I'm I'm on stage longer than anybody else in the show but I'm on stage for the entire second act um from when I start to talk I talk for about 40 minutes at the top of the second act and then and then I supposedly go to sleep and uh, so I'm on stage for the whole second act. And in the first act, um, it's a good 35, 40 minutes before I actually speak. And then I'm shortly thereafter, I'm wheeled off stage, sitting in my wheelchair, I'm wheeled off stage, and I don't come back until the second act. And uh, so the first act was always the trickiest, the hardest for me, because I'm sitting there staring into the void and... Uh, traveling through time and nobody really knows that and then when I speak it's a little bit confusing for everyone Were you um, it, it's, a, it's a daunting role uh, and it's eight performances a week and right. you haven't been on Broadway in a long time were you, were you, <laughs> were you did you have any worries about taking on just not uh, just like physically taking on this this role and and mentally. Yeah, I just... mean this was a this was a this was a very daunting role. It was very difficult to learn, and I learned very fast. But it was a, because it's all non sequiturs, and because it's what I have to say is rather like a long monologue. So I'm not engaged in dialogue too much with anybody else. And uh, that makes it difficult because you you can't sort of look for hooks in uh, in the other person's dialogue, the other person's uh, sentences or whatever. There's nothing there, so it's uh, that that was hard. It was very hard to learn, but um, that was. And then, of course, I had to sing. I sing sing four songs in the show, and I'm not a singer, so actually, quite honestly. It was torture for me to learn to sing those songs. Two of them I knew. The song I sing in Irish I knew already, and I sing that as I'm going off stage. And and uh, the other one at, at the end of Act Two, where I sing a verse from She Moved Through the Fair, well, I knew that because everybody in Ireland knows that. And I mean, you learn the one I sing in Irish, which is called Trastan Adonta. Um, every, every kid in Ireland learns that at school, you know, when you're eight or nine years of age. Um, but the first two songs that I sing, um, that was torture, total torture for me to learn those, to learn how to sing them. And, uh, well, you would never know looking at you on the stage, you seem 
very relaxed, <laughs> relaxed up there. And obviously, I mean, uh, your hard work has been uh, rewarded with this Tony nomination. And out, also, you you got a you were nominated for an Outer Critics uh, Circle Award. Yes, Outer Critics Circle Award. I think that's I think the Outer Critics are the newspapers and the press from outside New York, you know, from all around the country. And uh, so uh, and I asked somebody, I said, well, they're the outer critics. I said, but don't worry, I know where the inner critics are. They're all in my head, the inner critics. So, <laughs> Well, I think any time the critics give you an award, it, it means that they genuinely uh, appreciate that uh, it's not just talent. And it's hard work that you have put into this role, but all your roles. And uh, did this play, in a way, kind of take you back to your role in the movie on the hunger strike, Some Mother's Son? Yes, it did, really, um, which I think is still a wonderful movie. In fact, I think it's the best film done on the hunger strike um, ever. It was Terry George's first film, and he and Jim Sheridan wrote it. And uh, I, I got to play an Irish Republican mother whose son uh, goes on the hunger strike. And and it really was a very clever move on their part to locate the story in the families. And Helen Mirren plays the other mother whose son also goes on hunger strike, but he comes off the hunger strike, whereas my son dies and uh, refuses to come off the hunger strike. And it was a period in Irish history, it was a watershed moment in our history because it split families right down the middle and not just family from family, but it, internally in families it split people off um, as people sided with whether, whether the hunger striker should come off the hunger strike or continue until death. So that was a huge, huge thing in the North of Ireland. And, and they located the, the story in the mothers, two of the mothers, because they are the people who stood on the line, you know, and held the placards and attracted world attention to the hunger strike and to what was happening inside the maze prison. So it still holds up as a, a, a terrific film. Um, when it, when it opened, um, when it opened uh, in uh, in the United States, it was just two weeks after um, the IRA had bombed Canary Wharf in London, and so I think the distributors got scared about it. Anyway, they they pulled the film and they didn't push it any longer. So, which was a shame because it was a very educational film for anybody who didn't know about the hunger strike. As there are many many people here who don't. It was it was a good way to teach them about it and show them what was actually going on. So of course the play touches on that too. Touches on you know the not only the hunger strikers, all of whom are named in the play, but the ones who died um, on hunger strike. But it it also shows how a family is split and divided over uh, over that particular crisis in history, and it's set in the north of Ireland. It's also a, it's also the, the play is actually um, it's a it's a true story in so far as it's based on Laura Donnelly's um, uncle who disappeared and the play starts with a, a dead body being found and and then it's what what happens as a result of that 
in investigating the family that he comes from. So, and it uncovers all sorts of secrets. Uh, and, uh, so, so it's based on that reality. And she's actually the wife of the, of the writer. Yes, Laura Donnelly is married to Jess Butterworth and, um, they've, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that since he's from, since he's from England and she's from the north of Ireland, I'm sure that she was very helpful with, uh, you know, the play and the dialogue in it and the turn of phrase and everything. Um, it's absolutely brilliantly written. Now, over the years, you yourself have been involved in the civil rights movement in Northern Ireland, and um, I mean, you put yourself on the line in terms of the peace process. And in, in, uh, did the events of just a couple of weeks ago in Derry, did they? Well, they. I suppose they threw all of us. Uh, oh, it was shocking! Absolutely shocking! Yes, that's shocking. The death of, we'll see of the what journalist. the follow-up will be. Yeah, we'll see what the follow-up will be. Um, but, uh, you know, at the moment, the, the, the whole peace process stands in the, the peace, the Good Friday Agreement and the peace agreement in the North stands in danger if, uh, depending upon what the British do about their Brexit. And, uh, so that, that's one of the things that, one of the reasons I became involved was when the peace process happened and I helped try and spread the word about that here in this country, in the U.S., and when Jerry Adams got his visa to come here and speak about it, um, I introduced him a couple of times, different events, um, because I thought that it was definitely important to to spread the word about the peace process and to try and make it work and try and get as much uh, support for it. And George Mitchell. Senator George Mitchell, of course, had been enormously helpful and had uh, had uh, gone unspoken in the north and and brokered the peace process. Um, so yes, uh, but and, you also and yeah. Clinton, of course, Clinton had given um, permission for Jerry Adams to come in and and uh, talk about it in this country because, of course, the the Republican movement had got such a bad rap here. You know, people just thought, oh, Republic, Irish Republicans, they throw bombs, they blow people up, without any thought to the fact that without the IRA, you would not have had a peace process. You would never have had that. And Fanula, did, did you have to think about um, uh, uh, about that yourself in terms of your career? I know that you both, you and Helen Mirren, received criticism for, for appearing in, uh, in some mother's uh, son. So to well, be in Hollywood yeah. and to to speak out, or well, I think that I think um, you know that's such a long time ago now, if you will. Um, but uh, it was true to say that um, uh, when uh, when when the film opened in London, the press was kind of snarled at me going along the you know the the red carpet. Um, they didn't snarl at Helen because she's, you know, she's their English rose, as it were. And, uh, but, and the role she played in the film, she played the, the mother of the boy who comes off hunger strike. Yeah. And she's opposed to the Republican movement in the, in, in the film. And the character I played was a woman who's been an, a Republican for, an Irish Republican for decades, you know, and in her family it's all steeped in republicanism. So, 
and it was unfortunately I was perceived as somebody who who uh, who who just favored the Republican movement through the film, and that's not so. I mean, I saw. So I saw the hunger strike was a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful thing and should never have happened. And, um, of course, we feature, we feature it in the play and, and it's very effective because I think it does educate people a little bit more. So let's, uh, turn, uh, a little to your earlier career because, uh, you were known as a, as a stage actress in the, in the beginning. And then over the years, you've appeared in all of these uh, wonderful movies. Um, I'll always stop and watch Waking Ned Divine if it comes on. <laughs> and uh, and I know that you were in, you know, you were you had such a a great role in Lost and uh, going and in The Guard and Yaya Sister Sisterhood is that what that what it was called. Oh, the divine secret of the Aya sisterhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they were all yes. I mean, it's, so far it's been it's been good. You know, I've been fortunate to work with Tally Curry, you know, who directed the the Yaya sisterhood, and uh, which was great fun to do. And um, and she's a wonderful director and a wonderful writer. She wrote Thelma and Louise, you know, but at the time they wouldn't let her direct it. So she had to wait quite a long time before she got to direct something. Um, so much for the last feeling in Hollywood. And uh, but the other things, yeah, Guard was great to do. I mean, I I love John and his uh, his work is wonderful and uh, so such a talented man. And we laughed a lot on that, even though it poured with rain most of the time. Um, and Brendan, um, Brendan, Brendan, who's so talented, Brendan Gleeson, very talented man. Um, that, so I've been very fortunate in, uh, and then, oh, in Lost, I mean, I still don't know what Lost was about. You know, I've no idea. And people, people have asked me, they say, what was it really about? And then the faintest idea, you know, and then uh, occasionally after that, because of the way it ended, and I was in the last episode, because of the way it ended, people would attack me in the street and as though I was responsible for writing it. I'd say, no, 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 no. That, I would never have chosen that. That's not my choice. And I didn't write it anyway. <laughs> but people were very wild up about it. And it, it, I mean, it just, did you know that it was the, 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 it was the most watched TV show? Probably isn't any longer, but it was the most watched TV show in China. I didn't know that, but mm. uh, I, I feel like no. I want to go home and stream it all again <laughs> because it well, was such an like, incredible like series and it was way ahead of its time. <laughs> it was indeed. So maybe the Chinese understood it. I certainly didn't. You know? <laughs> and I remember saying to the director um, when he sent me the script, and I said, well, you know, I've never seen the show and I think I didn't come in until the fourth year. And uh, it is, I said, I've never seen the show. Could you send me a few DVDs so I'll be able to see what it's about? And he said, oh, don't bother. He said, if you haven't seen it from the beginning, you won't understand anything. <laughs> I said, well, how on earth do you expect me to play the part? He said, oh, it's very easy. He said, this is the only character in the whole show who knows the past and the future. I said, well, I can play that just ask my kids, you know. And when you say to your kids, you know, 
Do you know what's going to happen to you if you don't do your homework? <laughs> In your best all-seeing parental voice. But let's start. Let's go back a little. So you grew you grew up in Dublin, and you were uh, you spoke English and Irish at home in 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 your home, or you went to an Irish school. Yeah, we spoke we spoke we spoke English at home, and we spoke Irish all day long at school. Mm-hmm. So this it's no bother you to sing a song in Irish and and this uh, and this latest. Um, no, that was playing. no bother. It yeah. was. It was just the actual singing that was a bother. It wasn't the Irish. <laughs> so you, what about your first stage appearance? Um, how old were you? Oh, Lord. Um, first professional stage appearance. Was it well, with see, the Abbey I was in or the, before the Abbey? Or? No, I was in the Abbey school. But I, I didn't, uh, I didn't appear on the Abbey stage for ages. In fact, it was on the Peacock stage that I first appeared. But that was for the Yates Festival. I did the contest Kathleen. But that's, that's much more recent, if you will. That was in the eighties. Um, but you now my first, you know, listen. I started writing little plays when I was five or six, and forcing my brothers and sisters and my little friends to be in them, and. Uh, you know, they all took place in the kitchen, in our kitchen, and uh, the audience was my mother. And so we we, uh, we had some costumes left over from a costume party, and those costumes were used for everything. And all the plays had to have a monster in them, and my brother wouldn't be in it unless he could play the monster. So, and the sofa was his island. Uh, so you can imagine, and we had umbrellas then, so it always had to be a song with umbrellas in it. Um, <laughs> and did you come from a theatrical family, or were your parents just very no, indulgent? No, <laughs> no, not at all. Well, my mother had, uh, my mother had been part of a, a musical uh, theater group when she was young, when she was in, she was working in the civil service. And uh, my father was, uh, for want of a better word, a boulevardier. I mean, he was a great storyteller, but he wasn't. And he, oh, he had taken part in one of the first films ever made in Ireland by an Irish company, and I've never been able to see a print of it. And it was called This Green Ireland, and he played. They, they shot it all out around Hope Castle, and I have photographed stills from it. But he played a body snatcher, so. <laughs> <laughs> and he was very proud of that. So um, I have some of those photographs at home. And what was his day and, job? Uh, what was his day job? I don't think he had a day job then. <laughs> he was. Um, <laughs> he was. That was actually early on because he went to Spain to fight in the Spanish Civil War. He went in 1937 with many Irish men and women who went with Frank Ryan to fight against Franco to, to defend the Spanish Republic. And he went, and this, the making of this movie was easily uh, a year or so before that, because two of the men who were in one of the photographs that I have were killed in Spain with him. My father survived the Spanish Civil War, but but uh, he was, uh, in fact, he was, his his family, who were totally not in favor of him going to fight against Franco because they were very Catholic and they wanted to defend Franco and they thought he was a lovely man. And uh, that's a quote, a lovely man, that lovely man, Franco, they'd say. 
and off my father went um, to fight against Franco. And, of course, when they came back, the Irish men who survived, they were all excommunicated and read out from the pulpit. And it was very difficult for them to get work because, as you know, in the 30s and 40s, uh, Ireland was totally in the grip of the Catholic Church and they dictated most of what everything, of how everything happened. Well, my father got uh, wounded and it was announced by BBC Radio that he was missing, believed dead, and when he was wounded. And so his family, being a devout Catholic family, they rushed out and spent the little money they had on black clothes and black hats, whatever. And then six weeks later, much to their annoyance, he turned up and <laughs> turned up alive. And so they were furious about that um, because he, he didn't have the decency to go and die. You know. That sounds like a movie. But so your very first uh, movie role was in uh, Ulysses, right? Um, no, it was in um, it was in a movie that John Huston made called The Story of Sinful Davy, which was all based on the diary of a Scottish highwayman, and that was the first movie I was in. It was sort of a romp, you know, uh-huh. and. Um, it, and it, was it, it was filmed in it, Ireland. Somebody, it was, and a critic said about it, this movie could not have been released. It must have escaped. Oh. So that'll tell you how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> and did you did you did go on to play uh, Gertie McDowell in the in the nineteen sixty seven yes. film of Ulysses? Uh, yes, I did in use in. Uh, Joe Strick's um, Ulysses. Yes, I did. I played Gertie in that. And um, uh, that was interesting because that holds up, really. I've seen it on television late at night. Um, it does hold up as a, as a movie. He was planning to make a trilogy at the time, but it didn't turn out the, the distributors or the people who were giving him the money just wouldn't go along with that. Um, so he squished it all into one movie. So it seems like um, like like you've always had this interest in James Joyce, then, especially in the, in the female characters. Um, and you went on to play Molly Bloom in the nineteen seventy three production of uh, That's right, in which, Town. which was directed by Burgess Meredith, the great Burgess Meredith, and um, and I played opposite. Um, Zero Mostel, who was playing Bloom, and he was a wonderful Bloom, really wonderful. So we did that here at the Winter Garden Theatre in New York, and um, that garnered me a lot of attention. Um, and then I reprised that character um, when I did made my own did my own uh, stage production and subsequent film called James Joyce's Women, where I played six women from the life and work of Joyce. And um, goodness me, yes. And almost every year you've come in to to a symphony space for years, anyway, most years. For years I did. I'd come in every second year, actually, when I was available to to read the whole Molly Bloom soliloquy, which takes two hours and 50 minutes to read. And I would do that late at night when uh, Isaiah Sheffer, bless his heart, was uh, alive at the time. And Isaiah was a good friend and he would ask me to come in and 
they, they would have all day readings or all evening readings from Joyce. And then I would come in at the end around 10 o'clock or so and read the Molly Bloom soliloquy, which is, of course, the end of Ulysses. And I did that. And I, I did it. And then the, uh, when, when Isaiah died, it didn't seem so much fun anymore. Um, and although I did it the year after he died, but, uh, I haven't been back to do it. Oh, I was back to do it since when they wanted to do, to do just an hour. And, um, I found that unsatisfactory because it's like, how do you break up a symphony, you know? So, so I, I think that one should just do the whole thing. So your first Broadway appearance, actually, oh no, your no, first Broadway no, appearance was no. in Lovers, right? In, in Lovers, yes, 1968, in Lovers, we, which is a Brian Freer play, and I had originated the role of the schoolgirl in, uh, at the gate in Dublin, where it was directed in Edwards, and then, um, uh, Morty Gottlieb, who was a lifetime wonderful New York producer, he invited three of us to come over from the original cast, and we did, and we reopened at the Vivian Beaumont Theatre, and then uh, we moved then to the Music Box on Broadway. So that was 1958, and then I toured with it, which was uh, 59, uh, sorry, 68, 69, and uh, then toured with it, which was an incredible experience, an incredible way to see this country, because, you know, the Vietnam War was on, the peace movement was in full swing, there were flower children in San Francisco, uh, the, the entire country was divided about the Vietnam War. So it was a thrilling and, and adventurous time to be here. And even though I still don't understand American politics, I, I learned a great deal about it. And, and I found that the heartland of America, the people who were out there in middle, what's called middle America, were so welcoming to us. People would invite us to their homes for tea or for lunch, you know, just because they came to see the show and they liked it so much. And, I mean, they speak about Irish hospitality, but the hospitality that I was greeted with here, and particularly in the heartland of America, was incredible, wonderful. And Fanula, did, 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 did you decide to stay in America after that tour, or...? I know that you met uh, you met Garrett, your husband, uh, who would become your husband on that tour, right? right. Garrett O'Connor. Yes, I met Garrett O'Connor when I was on tour. Met him in Baltimore. He was on the faculty at Johns Hopkins, and uh, we were playing the Morris Mechanic Theatre in Baltimore. And uh, <laughs> the the actor who had come with me, we were we were all staying at the Round Towner Motel, which has since been torn down, I understand, so I think they should have put up a plaque. But anyway, it's gone. And so I hear all this raucous laughter from outside my bedroom, and I I opened the door onto the corridor, and Eamon Morrissey, who had come over from Ireland with me, he was playing opposite me, was leaning up against the wall, laughing his head off, and kneeling on the floor in front of him, telling a very funny story, was a very handsome man, and that was Garrett. And that's how we met. And uh, there you are. How many years together? 44 years together, 42 married, two years, you know, uh, trying to make up our minds. But, um, yeah, 42 years of marriage. And then he, 
he died three years ago. It'll be four years in September. And uh, I miss him, miss him very much. And he would have loved the ferryman, you know. There's so many things he could have loved. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's a, a huge adjustment. And uh, I, I loved... Um your husband. I mean, I, I just found him a fascinating man who was always very generous with his time. And uh, also with the magazine, his piece that he, he wrote uh, on the Irish and alcohol yes. is probably the most Googled yes. article that we have on our website. Really, so. that's good to hear. He was, a, it was, he was a great loss to the whole medical profession. Um, particularly to do with alcoholism and drug addiction because he was, he knew about that. He understood it. He got sober himself and would have been 42 years sober when he died. Um, so that was an amazing, he would share his own story and that's what made him open to people who wanted to get well. And his, his great gift was he could, he could, uh, for instance, when he saw a new patient, it could, the interview could go on for five or six hours. He would not quit until he found common ground, until he found that they talk about everything, football, horse racing, fishing, you know, movies, whatever. And he would stay with it until he found common ground. And then he found a way in uh, with the person. And oftentimes he would send people who not only did they say they, they weren't sick, but they didn't want to get well, you know. They would cling to their their beliefs that there was nothing wrong with them. So, I mean, he saved myriad lives and myriad families. And uh, so, he was he's a great loss indeed to the uh, to the profession. And it must have been a huge adjustment for you. Um, it it it. It does seem, though, that you, you you kind of threw yourself into into work and went and did some independent films, and and uh, I know well, that you know, you, you know you just were. I think it was a month later you appeared at the Irish Post Awards in London. Um, right, you know, I did. Just you, you've always done so much to support the Irish community, be it in London or or here in America, or with us and the magazine. Back in the day when we were starting out and we really needed a star, you would just, you know, come for us. And I just, um, anyway, I just... Oh, well, it's always been my pleasure to be invited by you, to be included in your, among your friends. It's, and everything you're doing has always been a great pleasure for me. And uh, I tell you, uh, as far as, yes, London, I remember that. It was just a month after he died that uh, I showed up for the Irish Post Awards and Elgin had invited me and I, I didn't, you know, they were giving me a, a lifetime achievement award and it was too late to bow out, you know, and, uh, but, but also I'll tell you, work has always saved me. Three months after Garrett died, um, when I was totally grief stricken, didn't know what to do, and I got a call from the BBC, would I do a, a series, a, a limited series, um, which was going to be shot in Ireland, and I said yes immediately. And the work has saved me in so many ways. I'm so grateful, very grateful that I got that call. Little do they know I would have paid them, you know, but uh, I didn't have to. They paid me to do the do the job and uh, did this series, which was only on the air for one season, and um, 
and then did not come back. But even that, it was wonderful to do. So I'm, I'm grateful that, that people think of me for events and for, but you think of me for things. You're always inviting me to the wonderful luncheons you give and, and to Irish events around the city. And I, and I'm, I'm so grateful for that, Patricia. Well, I'm always grateful to you, Fanula. You, you make us look good. Um, can you, any advice for young people starting out in the business? I suppose oh, you really have to have advice. a passion for it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know, it, 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 there's no point in telling someone what to do because if you want to be an actor, you want to be an actor, or a dancer, a singer, or whatever, and you really want it, want it badly enough, nobody will dissuade you, you know. Nothing will stand in your way. You, you, you wait tables like I did. You, you, you scrub floors. You'll do anything. You babysit. You do all those jobs in order to keep a roof over your head so that you can pursue, um, the art form that you've chosen. And, and, and I've never met an actor or an actress or a painter or a dancer who, who didn't have that ethos. And it's a good one to have. It's a very good one to have. Well, Fanula, listen, thank you so much uh, once again on this uh, very special day, taking the time out to talk to Irish America. Uh, I think your last oh, uh, Tony nomination was uh, for Ulysses in Nighttown. That's right, yes, for Ulysses in Nighttown, yes. So um, we're just thrilled to have you back, and it's incredible to see you on stage. Um, I'm such a fan yeah. of your movies, but it's, uh, uh, apart from Thank seeing you, you and, and do Molly Bloom's soliloquy, it's just so wonderful to see you in a play. And so you're going to stay with the cast. You're one of the few who stayed on with the... Uh, well, no, two other, two other actors stayed as well. Um, they have smaller roles, but they stayed, and that's good. And, um, yes, uh, I stayed on. I, uh, Sam Mendes had invited me to, to join the play for the Broadway run. So that's when I, so I was with it from whatever we, we rehearsed in London in August, September, and then came here and we opened in October last year. So it just so happened that, um, I'm still here and still with it and will be until the 30th of June. And, um, and I, it's great. It's just great. It's tough and I'll be glad to have a rest afterwards, but it's a, it's a terrific show. It's an epic. And I hope to see you again on the Broadway stage in the years to come. Thank you, Patricia. And thank you very much, Fernula, for joining us today. And, uh, we'll see you around town. Indeed you will. Thank you.